I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Somya Dave is the author of What a Happy Family. She is a writer, resident psychiatrist, and co-founder of This Is For Her. Her writing has been featured in the New York Times, Huffington Post, Refinery29, and others. She currently lives in New York City with her husband and son. Welcome, Somia. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Bugs to discuss What a Happy Family. Thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast, so I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Okay. Tell listeners what this book is about. And then I want to know why this book, particularly after the success of your last book and how that all happened and, you know, all of that. Sure. So What a Happy Family follows all of the members of the Joshi family. So they're a South Asian family who live in the suburbs of Atlanta, and all of them are going through different things in their lives. And so the book really follows each character as they're navigating their own battles and and really asks the question, how do families hurt us and how can they also heal us? I really wanted to talk about mental health actually in a family because I'm a psychiatrist and I write fiction and I struggle to find books that portrayed mental health through fiction. So I thought, why not show through the lens of different family members and show that sometimes we might put the people we love most in certain roles. And instead of seeing them for who they are holistically, we put them back in those places and as those roles that we grew up seeing them as. And that can make it hard for us to empathize and to really understand and connect as they grow and evolve. I wrote this book after my debut, Well-Behaved Indian Women, came out in July of 2020. So fun time for a book to come out, as I'm sure everyone listening knows about that. And 
at that time, so my husband, my baby, and I were living in Atlanta. We, we were living in New York, and then we moved to Atlanta for what we thought was going to be a few months, and then that turned into 15 months. And so we found ourselves <laughs> going from our apartment in New York City to this house with multiple generations. We had my grandparents in their 90s, and then my son, who was about seven months old when my debut came out. And it was then that I realized that, wow, when family comes together, there's such a tendency to go back into those roles that you may have played growing up, no matter how old you are. And there was this one moment where I was in my childhood bedroom and the white noise machine was on to keep my son asleep mm-hmm. in his little snoo bassinet, which for anyone listening is this smart bassinet that's supposed to put the baby to sleep on its own. And I was reading through old journals from middle school and downstairs, my mom was telling me what to eat. She was yelling from downstairs <laughs> about what to eat. And I thought, how old am I? I am all of these selves. I'm in my mid thirties and I'm 12 and I'm 16 and I, it's so layered and it's so complicated. That's awesome. I know there is something about just when I walk in the door to my family home, I be, you, you just like lose any maturity, any skills, emotional tools for coping. It all just like goes back. And I'm like, you know, what's in the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. It's a, then the food is such a big part of it. So that's so true. What is in the fridge? Right. And then yeah. I'm like, you don't have any food in here. Like she's like, well, not, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know or whatever. Anyway, they always have ice cream sandwiches for the kids. So, you know, as long as there's some bribery involved. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the key for I've learned with with my own one son is that bribery really works, especially with ice cream in the mix. So I hear that. So as a psychiatrist, were you practicing for those 15 months? Did you like, how did you end up writing this book and keeping your job and doing like all of that? And how much of like, did you take from any particular patients or was this just like an overall reflection? It was more of an overall reflection and the timing worked out such that I gave birth in December of 2019 and I had graduated from my residency. So I uh, trained at Mount Sinai and I was finished in June of 2019. So I had the six month window between when I was done with residency and then I was giving birth. I also took my medical boards in the middle of that. And My plan was to get an office space here in New York and start seeing patients in my own private practice when my son was about three months old. And of course, as we all know, March of 2020 is when things changed in so many different ways. So I started seeing people virtually part-time a few months after that. So I'd say a little bit after my debut came out, I started seeing people virtually and I still do that part-time. And it was at that time that I also then started writing this book. So it was a mix of a lot of different things going on, as I imagine that was the case for so many people everywhere. And I really learned about what it was like to work in different conditions, what it was like to switch tasks from one thing to another to another. And I found a lot of things from my training coming back to me in a way that I relished. I learned a lot about family therapy during my training. We we actually had family therapy cases. And it was in those cases that I learned how powerful it is to actually sit in a room with people you may know very, very well, but you may not sit within that context. So I I put together that even with my own family in recent times, when I'd go back to Atlanta to visit, we would be on our screens. We would sit in a room, but we would be on our screens. One person would be doing one thing, another person doing another thing. There were no moments where we're all just sitting and staring at each other in a circle because that's not normally a natural thing one does. So 
having to put these characters in situations like that, that I had learned about and seen in my own training was a really fun and interesting exploration of just what, what happens to people when they feel more vulnerable and exposed. And I had heard from a lot of readers who did move back in with family and, and things were jarring for them because of that and how that brought up a lot of their own dynamics. So I think family just always creates such a rich foundation for, for any story, really. Yes. There's no lack of material. By the way, I'm on the board of Mount Sinai. I've been involved there forever. My mom has been, was on, on the board and she started all these things for them and the whole renovation of the pavilion. Anyway, it's been like a lifelong accompaniment for me. So I remember when the medical school started. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. So maybe we'll pass in the halls if you're ever over there again, you know, not that I'm there that often. I don't even know why I said that, but (laughs) (laughs) it must be hard to see patients virtually and like build up a practice. Not that this is even remotely related, but anyway, I was just thinking of like, not that you can't migrate successfully, but to build up something new, it's so hard to do, but Yes, absolutely. I feel very fortunate that I'm in a field where a lot of it is based on communication and really not equipment. You know, like so many other fields in medicine, there's a physical exam and there are different kind of things in a room someone needs. And so I do think that's been really hard for for providers who have to have that kind of in consideration. And so I haven't had to have that, but I really do miss seeing people in person. I think, especially for therapy, I love looking at body language. I love seeing, you know, someone getting really comfortable with something we're talking about or uncomfortable and reading those cues and being able to connect in that way, I think is very hard to do across the screen. So I'm excited for the time, hopefully soon where I get an office space and start seeing people in person. Sometimes I wonder, maybe I should like schedule a zoom with one of my family members, you know, like let's do 30 minutes, you know, I'll sit here and give you my undivided attention and, you know, because you don't do that for the people closest to you, right? Oh my gosh, I love that. That should be posted somewhere because I think we all need that reminder. I, I never even thought of that. And you're right, right? We, don't, we don't make that space. I think we just assume that space will come, but we do make it for other people. Yeah, we make yeah. it for total strangers. I just we met do. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're so right though. That's such a good point. All right, you can post it. You you, you post it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'll quote, but it's your quote, so I'll quote you. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so what I really loved about this book is that, first of all, you immediately get the reader like hooked on the way you write and talk, right? It, the the voice, your voice in writing is approachable, not like super literary and inaccessible. And yet it doesn't like poke too much fun. It's like a light sense of humor without it being over the top, right? Like there's so many, I feel like sometimes in other this is like a massive generalization, but when someone's trying to like depict what's specific about their culture, right? Like if I were to make fun of my family's, I don't know, Passover meal or something, like it becomes like caricatures and there's not as much depth sometimes when I think about it. And yet you seem to have paired like the light humor with the depth at the same time without making it like too focused on every single sentence. Do you know what I'm saying? So thank you. That means a lot. So tell me about how you learned to write this way. And if this has been something you've always loved to do, you know, where did this come from? Blah, blah, blah. I'm very fortunate to have been surrounded by really wonderful people since I've been growing up. So my mom has just the most vivacious personality ever. And 
I eavesdropped a lot as a kid and adult, but I've just been an eavesdropper forever. I'm the, I'm the oldest of three, just like Suhani is, and always felt like I didn't know exactly where I fit in, especially growing up. And so I would listen to people and I would observe. And, and that a lot of times ended up being my mom, even if she wasn't happy about that, when she was on the phone and when she was with, with friends in person. And what I found was that when a lot of these women in my community got together, they, they oscillated from topic to topic with ease. So one second, they'd be talking about their mother law. And then the next second, they'd be talking about a dish one of them looked up and got a recipe for. And the next second, especially more recently, they talk about something from social media. And then they talk about something that happened in India generations ago. And I just found that so fascinating because I thought it reflected the complexities of people and how they interact with their peers and all the things that come up. But I struggle to find that in books, you know, those, those kind of points where we go from one thing to another to another. And at the beginning of the book, there's a part that actually was directly inspired from, from reality where my mom knew it right away, <laughs> but where Bina, the mom in the book, she's talking to Natasha, her daughter, and she's kind of paying attention, kind of not. And her friend Anita is there as well. And Natasha says, what are you actually looking at? Cause their gaze is darting from Natasha to their phone. And then they turn on the phone and it's just this close up of Priyanka Chopra on Instagram. And that happened with my mom. I was trying to talk to her while we were living at home and she, she kind of was looking from everywhere. And, and I said, what are you actually doing? Her phone was kind of down on the side. She turned around and it was, it was literally a selfie of Priyanka. What are you doing? She said, I can't help it. I wanted to look at it. And I thought, you know, I mean, these women are just so funny and, and they have so much complexity and they have so many really fun dynamics. And I wanted to show that in a story, just what would it be like to be in, in the world I grew up in for a little bit? That's awesome. And tell me more about how you inserted the mental health angle and sort of what your commentary on it is. So what I found is that there can be a lot of stigma surrounding just the discussion of mental health in general. And a lot of that stigma relates to shame. You know, one thing I learned in my training is that whatever brings shame tends to also bring silence with it. So people tend to stay very quiet and they tend to hold in their shame, which we all know is very heavy and it tends to grow with time. And I wanted to show how each member of this family is keeping things from each other and also maybe even from themselves. Maybe there are things that they're in denial of that are hindering them in some way in their own lives, in their own growth, in their own ability to connect with people. And so with each character, I kind of plotted through what makes sense for this person to struggle with, what makes sense for this person to need in order to grow and become a better version of themselves, a more empathetic version of themselves. And my hope really was that anyone who struggled at all, you know, in whatever form, whether it's through a mental illness or whether it's through just accepting themselves and giving themselves some self-compassion along the way, saw one character and thought, okay, I can, I, I'm allowed to do this for myself too. I'm allowed to take that time for myself and then take that space for myself. So you've dedicated your career to psychiatry. You've now written this book with all of this woven in. Is there anything aside from the amazing, you know, amalgam of of the cast of characters around which <laughs> you orbited that like what made you what do you think it is about psychiatry? What is it about like analyzing mental health? Like did something happen to a friend of yours? Like was there something where all of a sudden you knew you wanted to do it or were you just in med school and you were like, "Well, this sounds interesting." I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. You know, a little bit of all, everything you said. So growing up, I, we lived in a, we lived in a one bedroom apartment as first in a basement apartment, actually a family friend's basement when my parents and I moved to the United States. And I didn't have any social interactions at first because my dad was actually studying for his medical boards. He had to get recertified from moving from India. And my mom worked at different stores. She worked double shifts. And so I always wanted company before I had my siblings. And I found that in books. And a lot of the books I loved and the Babysitter's Club series comes to mind right away especially actually the Karen books, the the first series of Karen books. I love those so much, but I loved how they gave me an insight into how other people lived and how they thought and how they dreamt and how they connected. And I felt like I was getting a special access into this world that wasn't mine. And so it was actually that just, just being so fascinated by why people are the way they are that made me always read. And then it was that, that also eventually drew me to psychiatry. I just didn't know that there were fields where people could then do these things for a living. I just thought, <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because when you think about yourself as a kid, you might have certain interests, but you may not always know they can lead to a career or, or some kind of pursuit. They might just seem like this is what you like to do. And this is what you don't like to do. So it felt kind of magical to learn growing up then that, oh, there, there are people who work in, in fields that, that actually do this full time and they explore this in depth and they really, they dedicate their lives to it. So I love that. And I think that both of those careers really stem from the same curiosity. I I share that curiosity with you. And I feel the same way about books. I was like very shy. And so I felt like, and I also was like such an observer of people, you know, like always wondering. And anyway, I mean, that sounds creepy now that I say it like that. I I was spying on everybody, but I do think there's something that 
psychology, psychiatry. Like when I went to college and I realized psychology was like a thing that I could take all my classes. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I didn't even know, like this doesn't even feel like school. Yeah. I was going to maybe be a psychologist, but then my life went a different direction, but that's like my dream other job. Yeah. I I was going to say, I could see you doing that. And I imagine, especially with with posting podcasts, you're asking people questions and digging into things, you know? So there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. I just get the one session. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then next person. One and done. You get 30 minutes. I'm going to fix you up and boot you out on your way. (laughs) Most efficient, most efficient kind. (laughs) There is. It's funny though, my daughter, and I don't know, maybe I shouldn't share the story, but they have like this feelings time that's required in their school. She's in second grade and you have to like pick a feeling out of a bag and all this thing. They call it talk time. And my daughter just yesterday was like, you know, everybody else always complains about talk time, but like, I really love talk time, but I don't want to say it because like, everyone's like, oh, talk time. And I'm like, no, no, no. See, like, that's what you have to be on the lookout for is the things that everybody else doesn't like. And you inherently love. Cause that means like you have something that draws you to that. You're going to be great at that. Like, that's what I love too. (laughs) I love talk time. That's all I do all day. So. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. And, And also, yeah, to, you know, add to that, hearing that also as a kid, I think goes such a long way. You know, when, when someone tells you, Hey, it's it, what, you love is telling you something about yourself and it's worth putting that time into is such a great thing. And also talk time sounds great. I wish I had that right? in elementary school. Yes. That's really nice to hear that that's what's happening in schools. Yes. Talk time versus history. Yeah. I'll take talk time. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'll take that any day, any day. Biology. Any day. I don't know. <laughs> so are you working on any other books now? I am. So I'm working on my third book and it is about a woman who is a founder of a startup and she's also a new mom. And so it's, it's really about how she actually navigates both areas. And because of her position as this female founder with the company that's doing really, really well in New York city, she's gotten a little bit of Instagram fame. And so she turns into this type of mom influencer unintentionally actually. And so the book really follows how the world treats the women who go after everything they want. That's kind of the central question in the book. What do we do to the women who really go after everything they want? Very interesting. I found that, you know, the more I post on Instagram, like it makes people like, you know, how people usually are very guarded when you meet them and Right. You know, they're just like, you know, it takes a while. Like, I feel like the main thing that Instagram has done, at least for me, not that I'm, you know, a famous mom influencer by any stretch, but it just like cuts all that out and immediately creates this place of warmth, which is so great. Like we get to just skip it all. And there's like this trust. So anyway, that's my... No, totally. I also think the things you post about and then with the perspective of moms, you know, not having time to do certain things and, and all of that, that that's really relatable. And I don't think we see enough of that. So I do I do think that that resonates because it's not, it's not this picture perfect thing where nothing's ever wrong and we're not dealing with nuances and, and different complexities of daily life. So I think that you're right, that that does create a lot of warmth. And I'm sure people feel like they know you before they meet you in person. I mean, they really do. I mean, I don't know yeah. them, but, but anyway, for your character, it can infuse some of that because there are a lot of benefits, I think, but there are, there are, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of finding the benefits of Instagram. One thing I do in therapy sessions actually is if somebody's struggling with social media, we do an inventory of their feed. Oh, that's interesting. Oh my gosh. So have them go through their feed and then just tell me how they're feeling after a minute of scrolling. And if they're engaged in the scrolling, if it's mindless, if it's inspiring, if it's draining, I have a list. And then it, depending on what comes up on the list, we then actually mute and unfollow and then add accounts to curate the feed. So so it feels like a more enjoyable experience. I was thinking you were analyzing their feed and like what it says about them. You do that too? 
Some, sometimes I will, if it comes up and they ask me to, otherwise, otherwise I won't really bring it into the appointment. So it just kind of depends. But if they're saying that it's a place that where they want to be, but they're struggling with how to be there, then I'll do the curation piece of it. A lot of people have either gone, really wanted to stay on, especially with the pandemic, because that was their way of connecting with others. And then some have also wanted to just completely delete the app, either for short periods of time or for longer periods. And so just depending on where they're at, that might change. That's a really interesting niche to like market yourself in, by the the way. No, seriously. I mean, it's like a crisis and all parents are like, what should we do? And especially of teen girls and everything, you know, if you're, if you become like expert on, I don't know, I'll help your daughter or whatever. People will be like, get over here. (laughs) I started doing some new segments on NBC news recently in the last few months. And and one of them was about the new TikTok mental health guidelines that that actually came out because of the concern with teenage girls. So that is so true. It's so true. And it's, it's a lot, there's a lot there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a great new novel. I feel like some of these have movie potential. Have have there been bites or not yet? There have, which I'm hoping to be able to announce soon. There have been bites, which I'm very excited about. So I'm very grateful because growing up, you know, as someone who loved Sweet Valley High and Babysitter's Club and always will, always will love those books. It's it's really fun to see more books out in the world that just reflect a broader range of experiences. So I'm excited to continue seeing that. I feel like you're going to end up with like a middle grade YA type book at some point. <laughs> that would be really fun. That would be, there are some really great middle grade YA authors out there I'm lucky to be friends with and I'm very inspired by, but that would be really fun to, to join that group too, because I think that's such a, that's such an interesting time in anyone's life. Anytime I ask anybody about middle school, they have so much to say and I get why. Yeah. I try yeah. to explain that to my kids. Like, <laughs> like if you can just get through this. You'll be all good. It's all good. It's true. <laughs> I should have had that as a note on my wall, actually, in middle school. If you can get through this, you're going to get through anything. You're going to be fine. It's true. You're all good. Yeah. Maybe I'll start making some notebooks or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Sure. So a couple things. I, I recommend reading as much as possible. So, and even reading things that you don't enjoy because there's a lot to learn from things that we don't like. I didn't realize that until much later in my life. But when we pick things apart and we dissect them, we see what works and what doesn't work, what, what resonates with us and maybe what doesn't. And the second part, which I think is maybe a little bit more doable now with social media, I hope it is, is to find some sort of writing community because it can be a very solitary pursuit. And sometimes the milestones are a little bit hazy and and we deserve to give ourselves credit for writing that one sentence or that one page or one chapter, whatever it is. And having that community can go such a long way. So I know November there, there's a community for writing a novel in the month, but even online on Instagram and Twitter, there's just so many people out there sharing their writing goals and their progress. And so I would just encourage that to, to find that space. I've interviewed a few authors who wrote their novel during that month. National That's, Nino, whatever, I don't know, some Yeah, NaNoWriMo, I think. Yeah, yeah NaNoWriMo, I don't know. <laughs> that month. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it works. Oh, I meant to ask you about your nonprofit. Tell me about this nonprofit that you are involved in and everything. Oh, sure. So my husband and I co-founded a nonprofit called This Is For Her. We actually started it when I was in residency. We first made a trip during one of my first vacation blocks, my second year of residency. We went to Kampala, Uganda, because when I was in medical school and an intern, I had been in touch with a lot of nonprofits doing a variety of work in the women and girls empowerment space. And I wanted to visit them all in person. And so we organized a trip and T and I went. And it was so interesting because we didn't see this coming. All of the heads of the organizations asked me, 
do you have a guide that just explains emotions in a basic way and that we can just give to our participants because we don't we don't talk about that openly enough and we just need a guide that's done by maybe a mental health provider and so i said i'm sure there's something and let me get back to my training program and then get back to you so i went back and there was nothing i couldn't find anything and I couldn't believe it that, that there wasn't a simple, maybe two to four page guide that said, this is what depression looks like. This is what anxiety looks like. This is what general resilience means and, and you know, all of those things. And so I created the guide and then we went back the following year and we met with those organizations again. And in that time, I also learned that in a, in a lot of places around the world, it's really hard to directly talk about mental health and say, hey, we're going to sit in a circle and talk about mental health. And what can make it a little bit less overwhelming is integrating other exercises into it. So I designed a series of art therapy exercises. And when we went back the following year, we revisited all those organizations and we did workshops with every single one. And then we left the materials with them. And then we continued to just basically check in with the leaders and do virtual sessions to just make sure that you know they're able to continue on with those workshops and keep that conversation going. But our goal is really to just keep partnering with organizations already doing incredible work and help them add some mental health education into their work. I want you to do a workshop. I'm sorry, this is not even like the career that you're... <laughs> here I am talking about your your books and I'm like, this is what you should do. Like, I want you to do workshops because I want you to like talk to my daughters and like their friends or come into the schools and and share all of that from someone who's like it. in it, right? Oh, I would love to. I'd be honored to do that. One of our favorite ones that we do actually is with a group of girls in middle school age and it's just called Draw Your Mind and you can just draw a piece of, like a circle on a piece of paper and divide it into quadrants and just actually put down everything that's on your mind and then discuss it in the group. And it's a really, really powerful way to just hear what everybody else is carrying too and to make sense of what you might be carrying. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. All right. <laughs> I'll get your email. And <laughs> Anytime. I'm here for you, Zibby. <laughs> How can you help me? <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on what a happy family. Congratulations on all of your success and all of your endeavors. And I hope to meet you soon, perhaps today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And congratulations to you on everything. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.